Let me tell you a little something about the chronic gals Just two best buds and their very best pals Talking about cannabis, that good, that tree So grab a joint and just spark with me Hey! Hi! Hi! Welcome back to Chronic Gals Welcome to the Chronic Gals I'm your host, Ashleen And I'm Riley And Riley's getting ready to take a dab right now She has about 16, 15 seconds for the banger to cool To yeah. proper temp a nice low temp dab. Low temp dab. I'm taking a dab of weird, weird science. science. Weird science. I can't I like not who... sing it. I know. Um, it's by Dabstract. Weird <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in forever. It's so good. Michael Anthony Hall. Michael. Michael Anthony Hall. Michael C Hall. Anthony C Hall. I think I'm mixing one of them Anthony... up with the guy from Dexter. <laughs> Anthony. Google it. Oh, yeah. I'm right here in front of my computer. I can Google it. Weird science. Anthony C. Hall. I think it's Anthony C. Hall. Mm. Speaking of weird science, though, this is... Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. Okay, who's the guy from Dexter? I think it's Michael C. Hall. That's confusing. You know who's coming to town? Daryl Hall and... Michael C. Hall is in Dexter. Oh. <laughs> well. Who's Daryl Hall? John Notes and Daryl Hall. Oh, Hall and Notes. Hall and Notes. Got it. Okay, nice. Cool. Well, random little weird <laughs> that's trifecta fun. of randomness. Hell yeah. So what did you think of the weird science? It's that like great. It's beautiful. It tastes really nice. It's a beautiful terp sugar. It is like, a beautiful really terp stable sugar. and crystally. Yeah. Smells really nice. It's very... What does it smell like? It kind of smells like orange juice, like effervescent. Okay, you yeah, know, like mm-hmm. spritey. Perhaps you know? that's the perhaps that's some terpenoline. I don't know what the what the terpene content is, but I always get that. Who's Dabstract? Yeah, Dabstract. <clears throat> I always feel like terpenoline smells like Sprite. Yeah, like like Dutch treat. Yeah, like limonene smells like straight up lemons, but terpenoline yeah. smells like Sprite. Yeah. It smells really good. Yeah. It's it was smooth. It was a nice so nice. Nice hit. We'll see how my high is. I feel like you get kind of funky, just like up in between the eyes kind of a deal. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see as this intro progresses. Exactly. <laughs> so what do we do this episode, Rye? Oh my gosh. We talked to someone super cool. Yeah. She's the creative branding and marketing. Manager. manager for Bloom, which is a vertically integrated cannabis company in yeah. California and Nevada. Yeah. So, she, like, real deal big business cannabis is this lady's yeah, and shit. Her and her husband founded the first publicly traded cannabis, cannabis company, company in the U.S. Which is amazing. Teratech Corp. Yeah. She talks about it. Yeah. She's amazing. She's a cannon mom. Yep. She likes to pontificate. <laughs> she's she's just right up our alley. Yep. Being a crying pal for sure. Hell yeah. And I w- was able to go to Bloom while I was in Vegas a couple weeks ago. Oh yeah. Did you bring your receipt? I did bring my receipt. Let's look at what you bought. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, what did you think about the dispensary? Dispensary was really cool. Slash, was- what do you think of buying weed in Vegas in in Nevada? So, previously, it was, I had been there, and it was really expensive, but I mean... At Bloom or... No, at a different... strip, right? No, it was off the strip, but 
it was, I mean, we bought a ton, like we got a, a lot of weed, so yeah. it was going to be expensive anyway, yeah. and we just kind of weren't really paying attention to prices when yeah. we bought it the first time I was, I went to Vegas. The second time, I kind of was more aware of like pricing in my own head, so yeah. I was able to compare to pricing here, mm-hmm. and so we get there. We were probably one of the first customers of the of day. The day. Yeah. Honestly, it was like nine thirty in the morning, <laughs> the day after Halloween. So yeah, nobody was gonna <laughs> nobody be awake. Was awake. So we go in. The guy like checks us in. He lets us into which. So if you've never been to a dispensary outside of Washington, it's a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy that still checks you in. Mm-hmm. But it's more like Oregon, where they, like, put you into a system, and there's this completely separate room from the dispensary. Where they're checking your ID, putting you into the system. Yeah, the guy operates the the door. Like, you can't get in unless the guy opens the door for you. Or, like, unlocks it, whatever. So, he lets us in. This place is, like, gorgeous. It's, like, white, which... Amy's history is she, I mean, she came from interior design. So, of course, everything that they have is going to yeah. be, like, so design forward. Right. Uh, there were photos of, like, cannabis influencers on the wall, which was really cool. I mean, I recognized Medicated Marley mm-hmm. and, like, Snoop Dogg and, like, all the traditional ones. But there were also some, like, pretty newer, like... Like, Instagram and yeah, YouTube, YouTube famous. Yeah, Cool. People, which was kind of cool. I thought I appreciated that. Ooh, let's try and get on their wall. I know. One day. <laughs> so, yeah. So, then we, went, we got, I don't know, the bud tender helped us out. And she was really cool. Uh, what's her name on her thing? She was really nice. I wish I knew what her name was. But she had been, she had worked at Bloom for like three years. Oh, nice. So. That must have been must from be about a, like right when. They opened slat like right when Nevada legalized because yeah. I don't think they haven't been legal for as long as as we have as we yeah. have. But so I mean, loyalty for a bartender is like pretty yeah. Well, it says a lot about a company for sure. Um, but so we picked out a bunch of stuff. There was a really good deal on pre rolls. It was like three house pre rolls for twenty five bucks. Mm-hmm. So we got there was two of us. So we each got a pack of those. And then there was another deal. It was like two eighths for 60 bucks, three eighths for 60 bucks. How many eighths did we get? We got four. So it was two eighths for 60 bucks or something like that. Nice. And were those house strains too? Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. We bought gold leaf and I think a house strain. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Was it good? I mean, it was good weed. I mean, the quality comparative to Washington I mean, I mean, Washington weed is just really good. <laughs> and it's hard to grow in Nevada because yeah. of the conditions. So yeah. Water is so expensive. Right? Yeah. But it got you, I mean, it got me high, mm-hmm. you know. It got me, I mean, I was stoned the whole weekend. And we oh. bought a ton of weed. Yeah. So that was great. Um, the prices were good. I mean, quality, they had good, their menu was really, really big. It was cool. Nice. Yeah. It was a good experience. Awesome. Yeah. All right, shout out Bloom. When shout you're out in Bloom. Vegas. Yeah. Or I think they're in like Oakland and Santa Ana and yeah. San Leandro or San Clemente or something like that. Yeah. But okay. if you're in Vegas, that place was like pretty close ish to the strip. It wasn't too hard to get there from cool. where we were staying. So nice. Yeah. Shout out Bloom. Hell yeah.
and then shout out this conversation with their creative branding and marketing manager. For real. She's, she's awesome. Yeah. She is just one of the gals. You totally. Know, total, totally one of us. Yeah. And just, like, has a, a vision for where the cannabis industry mm-hmm. is going Is going also. Yeah. She was cool. It was a really enlightening conversation. It was awesome. Yeah. By the way, forewarning, our audio kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, we uh. had some Mercury retrograde technological issues. Um, things just weren't connecting right. So we had to, we basically just ended up recording on speakerphone. Which in, didn't, oh yeah. In a really echoey room. room. We, we tried something out. So this is the benefit of a do-it-yourself podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we took a risk. Tried something tried new. Tried something new. And rented a room at the library. Yeah. Turns out those are echo chambers. Really so please bear with this. Bear with us. Yeah. But you won't even you won't even notice once you get into the conversation. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Once we were re-listening to it and like getting into what we were talking about, it was just another yeah. combo. Easy peasy. So lemon squeezy. So yeah. yeah, enjoy this conversation, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Later. Bye. Welcome to the session. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another show. We are here with Amy Opetisano. We did, said that right. Did right. we get that right? <laughs> yes. Awesome. Um, thank you so much for being here. It took us a little bit, a little while to make the schedules work, but we finally made it, and we're really excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, um... Tell us a little bit about your company. You have a your company's called Bloom, and you are in both in, Can- in California and Nevada, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. Awesome. What, are the, um, what do you guys do? So we do a little bit of everything. I actually am a founder of our parent company, which is called TerraTech Corp. We were the very first company to be crazy enough to go public in the cannabis <laughs> space. Um, mm-hmm. We took our company public in 2012. Awesome. In the United States, we That's kind of early too. Had sort of thought what would what happened in Canada would happen here a little bit sooner, mm-hmm. um, and uh, obviously that that didn't happen. But um, we've been public ever since, and we operate, as you mentioned, retail locations in California, Nevada. We're fully vertically integrated, so we also have manufacturing, cultivation, distribution permits. Um, and we also have a sustainable food farm in New Jersey. Sort of related to cannabis, sort of not, but the farming process that they use um, would very easily convert to cannabis in the event that we could obtain permitting out there. That's awesome. So cool. And the fact that your company is vertically, vertically integrated is something that here in Washington, it's we don't have that option here. Um, we, uh, in Washington, they issue licenses for either being a retailer, a producer processor, or a, a farm. So we don't even have the chance to do that kind of vertically integrated thing. So That's so cool that you are able to in California and Nevada. Yeah. And New Jersey. Kind of everywhere. So that's awesome. Um, can you it tell- definitely helps. I mean, it's such a hard business to be in, so it certainly helps your ability to grow your margin when you can sort of in-house everything. Yeah, seriously. You don't have to like deal with the middlemen or like any of that. It's all mm-hmm. within your own business. I love that. That is so cool. Can you tell us a little bit how you got into cannabis, into the cannabis industry and in the world? Yeah, so we're old. 
<laughs> industry, I guess, because we've been doing this for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are quite a few growers and things, obviously, that have been doing this a lot longer, but you know, the majority of people that we meet have jumped into cannabis in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so our story really started, my husband and I are co-founders of the company with one other person, um, and it started with a tragic accident. Actually, my husband fractured a vertebrae in his oh. neck 13 years ago in a surfing accident. Oh um, fortunately, he can walk. Um, he was very lucky that didn't sever his spinal cord or anything yeah. like that, but obviously there was a lot of pain initially as well as just residual pain. I mean, that, that was 13 years ago, and he has to deal with that daily. He does a lot of, you know, stretching, inversion tables, mm-hmm. certain things to just mitigate it in addition to using cannabis regularly for pain. Um, so that kept him completely off opiates for 13 years. And when he was first in the hospital with the accident, they put him on Dilaudid. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's typically used for hospice, end-of-life care um, for terminal patients. It's more strong than morphine. And so he obviously felt amazing while he was on it, and then (laughs) the dips and valleys in between were horrible. And once he left the hospital, he looked at me and was like, I I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to go down this road of opiates. And, you know, that was 13 years ago before people really knew how bad they were and how life-destroying they were for just normal people who wouldn't normally be addicts. Mm -hmm. And so he had the foresight to know that that was not a path for him. Um, And we, you know, really found our passion for cannabis through that. We were recreational users prior to that. But that sealed the deal for us in understanding how important this is medically and for people who need this from a holistic and uh, wellness-based perspective. Wow, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah, I have a similar experience, not quite as extreme, but when I had my C-section with my daughter, uh, they gave me Oxycontin for, you know, the pain afterwards, and I would not be able to wake up in the night to feed her. And as soon as that happened for two nights, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. So I switched to um, a full extract cannabis oil capsule, and that was able to take care of all of my pain needs. And since then, I just feel so lucky that I'm able to recommend that to people so that they have, they know that they have the choice. That's amazing. And I love that you're a mom. I'm also a mom. I have two kids. Oh, Yay. nice. You're a mom. I'm actually pregnant yeah. with, my, with my second now. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. I know it's very exciting. Yay. <laughs> we love babies. Yeah. Um, so you said that you guys were recreational users before, and I think we read in either one of your bios or one of the articles about you um, that you grew up in Nevada. Um, what was cannabis like when you were growing up there versus kind of how it's like, how it is now? Well, actually, I'm from Nebraska. Nebraska. Even different. Even more different. As much as Nevada is super liberal on, obviously, many things, uh, they are not very liberal when it comes to cannabis. It's mm-hmm. actually quite a difficult state to mm-hmm. operate in. But Nebraska is even farther behind that. Totally. I think that they'll probably be the last state to legalize. They just um, banned CBD, mm-hmm. and there was a lawsuit when Colorado legalized recreationally. Uh, the state of Nebraska sued them because they were worried about cannabis crossing their borders. Wow. So oh they went so far as to say the constitutional rights of your voters oh. are not important and we don't want this product 
constantly get messages from people that I went to school with and severe things like a, a girl who went, was my neighbor had reached out because her brother-in-law who was 30 uh, was diagnosed with brain, tu- brain tumor at 30 years old. Um, I have a cousin with severe epilepsy who would love to try cannabis and they don't have access to it. And to me, that's uh, obviously for those of us who know what cannabis can do, that's criminal. You know, they're, they're demonizing this plant and hurting people who could really benefit from it. And so, you know, it's, it's sad to me and it's obviously, I don't fit in. Right. <laughs> so I fortunately was able to move to California and sort of pursue my dreams and, and work on cannabis legalization and the messaging. But I really just hope that the positive messaging and that understanding and awareness will spread to places like that because, you know, those are areas where there's a lot of men in those communities. There's a lot of opiate abuse, um, a lot of alcoholism, and we all know how cannabis can reduce a lot of those things, Um, you know, especially when people are seeking that self-medicating behavior for real reason, whether that's physical pain or mental anguish, you know, they need alternatives that are safer and less damaging. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize how behind Nebraska was. I know that there are several states who are uh, who have kind of very conservative views around it, but man, I wasn't quite up on what Nebraska was doing. I know that's insane. That is really criminal that they're that they wow that they're like blocking cannabis, even like CBD. Right. Like I can't believe they banned CBD. That is kind of just mind. Well, when you, you know, it's like you, when you know someone who's suffering every day, seizures are a perfect example. Exactly. Like, no one has the right to look at a child with seizures and say, you can't have access yeah. to something that could help you. Right. Like, to me, we're all born here for whatever reason, and the laws were made up by people. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we are the kind of people who can see through that and see that they're not always in the best interest of the people that they're supposed to be serving, um, you know, and I, I just personally think that there's, no one has the right to tell you what you can and can't put in your body to relieve suffering. You're absolutely correct on that. Like, yeah. No one, I mean, I mean, the, that touches on like so many different levels, even outside of the cannabis world, like no one should tell you what to do with your body, but to like, yeah. There's just so much craziness happening in this world right now that, like, blocking CBD and cannabis to people, it is, like, such a bad, major thing. Um, and it, to me, should be the least of our concerns. Oh, like, absolutely. We have a lot bigger fish to fry as a society. Totally. You know, we have something that's a natural, holistic plant medicine. Like, let's, let's get this legislation on the books and move on with our yeah. lives. Like, to me, I think, from when we see the tipping point so far past, you know, they're not going to be able to repeal this at this point. We're not going to go back to that world of prohibition. So to me, it's just silly at this point to continue making it so difficult and so arduous for people. Um, at a certain point, they just need to understand that this is coming. Let's just go with it. Absolutely. And there's so much money behind, like in it too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't remember the numbers for Washington State, but there's like billions of dollars of tax money going back into the community because of cannabis. Right. So there's money in there. There's like the capitalism is there in the industry like to be t- had, you know. So it's just, it is very mind-blowing to have it be 
so like barred and we should just freaking move on people are just dragging their feet because it's something that they don't understand and they're not mm-hmm. willing to take the time to be- even believe people who do understand and are telling their stories so it's just it's really unfortunate but that's why people like us are here to <laughs> tell our stories and to you know we're happy to be able to talk with you so that you can share your story too and um just continue to keep the snowball rolling um totally agree yeah so we talked a little bit about what your husband's relationship with mm-hmm. cannabis is, which is it sounds like a very, very important relationship. Um, but tell us a little bit about um, what your routine is with cannabis. We, you know, for us, we have a lot of self care that runs through uh, cannabis runs through our self care quite a bit. Um, tell us a little bit about that for you. I would say I'm definitely in that uh, category that I consider cannabis a self care and wellness tool for me. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a mom, and my kids are seven and eight. I have two boys. A lot of energy, <laughs> a lot of emotions. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and obviously, we all know being a working parent can be exhausting and stressful in and of itself. So, you know, for me, cannabis is helpful with anxiety um, during the day when I'm, you know, trying to juggle dealing with homework or making dinner or whatever. I think it just takes the edge off and makes me more patient and I'm certainly a microdoser at those points in time. I think, you know, I keep a, probably about five milligrams of edibles going for the most part all day and I don't really feel it at this point. It just softens the edges. Yeah. If that makes sense. So yeah. it's not something where I'm like high all day. It's just sort of a little bit of a calm down. Um and then ever since I had my children, I have total insomnia. I think it's hormonal. A lot of women experience that the older they get. Um, and I take about 20 milligrams of edibles every night to sleep. Um, and that's the only way that I can get a good night's sleep. At this point, if I take less than that or if I don't take anything at all, I typically will wake up in the middle of the night and be unable to fall back asleep. Um, so it's a huge part of my, you know, mental clarity and um, anxiety reduction. And also I love topicals. Um, the topicals for me are a little more sporadic if I, you know, have pain from exercising or what have you. Mm-hmm. I have amazing bombs and patches and I love the back bombs. And um, I've also been using a CBD face cream that has mm-hmm. helped me a lot with my acne. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that, you know, obviously we know working in the industry how versatile cannabis is mm-hmm. and that it's this one thing that helps me with almost all of my wellness and, and self-care issues. That's awesome. Did it take you a long time to kind of figure out what the right micro dosage or the dosages are for you for those different needs um, that you have? Yeah, and I probably started only started taking edibles again about a year and a half ago because, you know, we started our business in the Bay Area, huge hub for cannabis, yeah. a lot of high tolerances up there, and <laughs> yeah. I had so many terrible edible experiences. Yes. <laughs> that time frame that I just was like, these aren't for me. Right. And so it really took the new uh, recreational market in California where they put forth those limits mm-hmm. and um, made a market for these microdose products where you could predict and you knew what you were getting and that it was tested and it wasn't going to be surprised there's 100 milligrams in one bite. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, those are really new for 
a lot of convincing from our staff who work in the store, some of my friends telling me, like, it's okay, it's fine to take them in small doses. And even five milligrams when I first started was a lot for me. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's probably taken me about a year to get used to that point where, like, if I take that now during the day, that I'm not high feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that was something I really worked up to. So I started only taking them at night for sleep. That helped build up my tolerance. And then once yeah. my tolerance was there, I felt comfortable taking them during the day. Awesome. I completely agree. I love that the recreational market has given us these uh, serving size and dosing limits. Um, I'm not sure what, what the doses are in California, but in Washington, um, it's a max of 10 milligrams of THC or CBD per um, per serving. So it makes it really, really easy, even if you only want a half dose, to just, you know, cut yeah. that in half and, uh, you know, medicate the dosing. here, and then we have some manufacturers who make smaller doses. So I personally am a huge fan of Kiva. I don't know if you have Kiva in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do, like, a two-and-a-half milligram mint, Ooh. and then they have their little terabytes where they're just – each piece is five milligrams, and they're amazing. There's like salted caramel, there's almond covered CBD ones, there's espresso mm. beans and blueberries. Um. It's kind of hard to not just bow through the whole thing. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And are you using a lot of um, your own company's products as well? Yeah, so we do cultivate our own flour. Um, very finicky about flour and concentrates, especially the more that I learned about the testing um, and the cultivation process and you know these chemicals and things that prior to our new rules in California were on a lot of the products that we didn't even realize. Um, we've always cultivated our own products in a very organic friendly way. Like that's just how my husband and I live. So you know we've never put pesticides, fungicides, things like that. Um, so it's a little surprised and alarmed to hear how scary some of those things are, especially when heated and inhaled. So I'm very picky when it comes to those things and have, you know, our brands that I know I trust and I know have been vetted by our buyers. Um, so I do all of my cannabis shopping at Bloom. Awesome. <laughs> very nice. And I, you know, I was in Vegas uh, for Halloween and so I had the opportunity to go to a Bloom store. And I was so excited. I was so pumped. It was it was a really good experience. We bought a lot of weed for that weekend. Thank you. Yeah. The weed was bomb. Like I've had Nevada cannabis this is twice now. And the first time it was I don't know where we bought it. It was not very good. The second time I'm like, we gotta go to Bloom every time because yeah, your your chronic was legit. Did you buy that our own house? The one we cultivate there? I think so, yeah. Do you remember what's Okay, good. Yeah, we've gotten amazing feedback on that. Um, Nevada, obviously, being a very dry state, is yeah. difficult to cultivate. Totally. Um, so there are a handful of brands that are doing it really well. Um, fortunately, ours included. So I'm excited you got a chance to try it. Yeah, it was it was exciting because I was we had scheduled this interview for the week maybe before Halloween, and we weren't able to do it, and I was super pumped that I was able to go to Bloom before talking to you so I could experience this, your whole your whole operation. It was awesome. Two thumbs up for the chronic gals. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. 
Um, okay, great. So let's see. We This is one question that we like to ask everybody. Um, we found that everybody pretty much agrees with the statement that pot is great. Um, why do you think pot is great? Oh my gosh, there's so many reasons. How much time do we have? Oh, plenty. Oh, we got time. <laughs> um, I really think the versatility is probably, if I had to narrow it down to one thing, um, that's probably where I would land because obviously we know it's natural, it's safe, um, but I love that you can use it for everything. Like I don't take Advil anymore. I don't need to take melatonin or any sleeping medication. Um, I don't ever take tongues or anti-nausea stuff. Like I literally just use cannabis for everything, topically, pain, um, you know, it's just, kind of a one-stop shop, I guess, for me, and I think that a lot of people would benefit from that, and I also love that CBD has exploded. That's something that, as, you know, a stoner, I never really thought would take off at the level that it has, um, but it, I find that really exciting because it it's less intimidating for a lot of people. A lot of people still, whether they realize it or not, have some measure of stigma in their minds or they just don't like being high. I know a lot of my friends and even my mom, she hates the feeling of being high. So I'm able to give them those products and they can benefit in a lot of the same ways with that versatility and not, you know, experience the intoxication that they're not wanting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We feel the same way. It's amazing that people can pick and choose if they don't want to feel high that they have these uh, options to still reap the benefits but not uh, feel a way that makes them so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then do you have a top pot moment, a best joint you've ever smoked, uh, you know, best concert you've ever seen while stoned? What's your top pot moment? Hmm. Okay, mine's kind of funny. And I have a really funny, like, crazy one. Lay it on us. When we first started in the industry, and we were cultivating in our garage, which was an absolute disaster. We are not, that's not my forte. Um, and then my husband was going up to Northern California, bringing stuff back from the Emerald Triangle that we were vending to local dispensaries. This was 10 years ago, in like the Prop 215 days. So... And we were like recreational users, but it wasn't accessible back then. It wasn't like my tolerance has skyrocketed with this legal market because Mm -hmm. of the product availability and all of the different things I'm able to try. And so, you know, very low tolerance back then, very low knowledge of cannabis back then. It was just kind of like, cool, when we have weed, we smoke it. So I decided to make my own cookies. And my husband and I just were like, cool, we have this giant bowl of shake. Let's just throw this in the batter and call it a day. Like, I had no idea I should have been baked butter or anything like that. So I made this batch of oatmeal cookies that had probably, like, two measuring cups full of shake. Oh. If you can visualize what that is a lot. Yeah. And I had one cookie. My husband had three. Oh, no. We were high for three days, oh. and it was just the most hilarious experience. Like, once we got past the initial, like, I'm dying panic, yeah. we just, it was so funny. And, and we just laughed. And I I just kind of always, like, love to look back on that story because obviously everyone has one of those horrible edible stories. But I 
think it's just a little bit hilarious the level of you know ignorance to what we were doing and how you know it shows what a long way this industry has come and why it's relevant and why it's important because people should not be at home dumping two cups of shaking their batter no Well, I'm glad you guys survived <laughs> in a positive yeah. way. Like that definitely could have gone into a negative cannabis really cave, right. sea hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> so that's awesome. That's a great. That's a great moment. Love it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> and then, do you have any favorite products of yours that you guys make that you love recommending to people? our flower out of our cultivation facility. Um, like I mentioned, it's just such a difficult growing environment. So to have, you know, one of the top flower brands in the state is very exciting and impressive. Um, as far as California, there's so many products I love in California that I would say I'd probably choose something that wasn't necessarily out of our cultivation just because I love the innovation and the uniqueness that people yeah. bring to the industry. And I would say the beverages are probably my favorite thing in California and nice. really moving away from drinking alcohol. Like the more these beverages are available, I think a lot of people will move away from alcohol and I think the impact that that will have on our society over the coming 50 to 100 years is profound. Um, I used to work for an addiction clinic and they treated alcohol and opiate addiction. And I did a lot of PR and marketing type work for them. So what I found in that experience was that it's something like two thirds of arrests for violent crime are the person is drunk on alcohol. So, you know, I think from a domestic violence standpoint, from just alcohol being such a negative downer to your body physically, I think that less alcohol consumption over time will be very, very uh, positive overall. And I think that people are so accustomed to drinking for recreational purposes. It's very social. It's not, you know, we were hanging out in person. It's easier for us to have a conversation over drinks than like popping a bite of an edible and then we just, what do we do with our hands? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I think that those very, very widely accepted, and I think that's an area where I'm actually really excited to see these big alcohol and beverage companies jump into this because they're going to lower the cost, they're going to make accessibility better, they're going to be able to produce at such a high rate with the efficiencies that they already have developed in their industry that I think they're going to be the ones to really carry that torch forward. I know a lot of people don't like the idea of big business coming in. I think we'll always have room for these niche and craft brands, but to get these things to become household names, I consider those larger corporations as helpers in doing that. And if I could buy a bottle of cannabis wine that tastes just as good as regular wine at my grocery store, I'm thrilled because I'd love to be able to incorporate that every day. So my favorite beverage out of California is called High Style. It's a beer that they brew in San Diego. It's like a craft brew. They de-alcoholize it, put 10 milligrams of THC in. It's fantastic. It's just like a regular beer. 
you get a lighter buzz. It's not as intense of an edible high as the beverages. I'm sure you guys have yeah. kind of, I know that there are a lot of beverages in Washington as yeah. well. Um, but that's what I like about it is it's like I can have that and it's more of a regular wine buzz. I'm not, mm. oh my gosh, I'm so high now for three or four hours. Totally. Um, I think that those, from a socialization standpoint, are going to be a huge, huge piece of acceptance in the industry. I love that you brought up beverages because I completely agree. I love the little mocktails that you can make. Again, if you have one, if you have like a hundred milligram bottle of, you know, some kind of infused juice, you can thin it out with as much sparkling water as you need to make a delicious little mocktail and then hang out with your girlfriends. Like I, the, the beverages are definitely where it's at right now. And, and you guys have a brand up there that um, I've had it up there. I love it, but we can't get it here as far as I know. It's called Pearl. Yes. And yes. It's water. Yes. Okay, so the, the little minis, I am obsessed with those. And I wish that I could just have like a massive stockpile because they're so versatile. Yeah. You can do anything with it. They're flavorless, easy to dose, easy to measure. Um, I do think that, you know, this needs to become a much more mainstream part of the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And we're actually good friends with um, one of the reps from Pearl up here, and he's going to be on the show, I think, next season. Um, but nice. they also make a, an apple cider that's amazing. Make they just sparkling water. came out with a juice as well. Yeah. And, and I think they were working on a champagne. I think like some type of bubbly yeah. thing. Yeah, they do excellent work. They and do. you can tell that their their beverages don't separate when they're sitting on the shelf. You yeah. know, it's just such a good quality. It doesn't taste green like a lot of other beverages do. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't I mind I don't mind the green taste, but I know you're trying to like try and like offer it up to someone who doesn't usually consume cannabis. That green yeah. taste is a little bit off putting, but I agree. And I think too like just the act of smoking is really off-putting to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and that's something that, you know, I love smoking cannabis, but I just think it's not an easy sell for a new user, Absolutely. whereas beverages to me are the best introductory product, mm-hmm. not as intense as regular edibles for people who don't want to smoke, you know, mm-hmm. and I think even myself, I was afraid of dabs for a long time, mm-hmm. I only started dabbing within the last year as well, so it's just, there's an intimidation factor, and there's an intimidation factor even after 10 years in the industry to say, I was afraid of dads up until a year ago, is, you know, says a lot. Yeah. And that says a lot for the new consumer who would potentially be coming in. Totally. It's totally accessible. Yeah. Because it's easy to be like, okay, you can drink this and feel this, and you can also drink a beer and feel the same, like a different type of buzz. Like, like okay. it's just an easy thing to compare to. And I think a lot of people were hoping that um, vape cartridges were going to be a nice, easy answer for people who weren't that into smoking to get introduce them into the industry. And now with all of the the vaping crises that are that is happening across the country, you know that has become kind of a thing you don't really talk about anymore, too. You know, so once again, yeah. the, the beverages emerge as a really friendly way to to give it a shot, mm-hmm. give it a try. I agree. Cool. Um, I want to go back to something that you said um, a little bit before. You were kind of comparing um, Nevada to California a little bit, saying, at least for your guys' company, Nevada is, is it sound, I might be wrong, but it sounds like Nevada is primarily a flower focus for you guys, 
Whereas California, you have a little bit more um, innovation. You have a lot more products that you can play around with. Can you tell us a little bit more about the differences between the two states? Yeah, so we do carry everything in Nevada that we carry. In, I mean, the brands are different, but as far as, you know, assortment, it's similar in terms of edibles, beverages, concentrates, flour. Um, it's just that we only cultivate our own flour in Nevada. We don't have a manufacturing facility set up there yet. We do have a permit for that. Um, and we have space in our cultivation facility. It's just those uh, those are very expensive to build out. So you know, yes. it takes us a little bit of time to get some of those things ramped up. Um, what I would say the larger difference between California and Nevada is just more of the regulation, especially surrounding marketing and advertising. Um, that made it very difficult for us to operate there because they're extremely strict on their marketing and advertising. And so, you know, when you can't have a presence in very many areas, you know, you can't go out to activations, you can't go out and flyer, it, it makes it really hard to get new bodies in the door. Um, and it's strange to me, especially because my children are boys and we obviously go there quite a bit having businesses there that, you know, I'm driving around with my kids in the car and there's naked women on a billboard, but people are worried about advertising for cannabis. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I think a lot of these regulations are written out of fear by people who don't understand the product and they don't understand what they're writing these regulations about. So, you know, and I think society in general also just we have this mentality of once we're accustomed to something, we're socialized to an idea, we accept it as normal and don't challenge it. And we don't challenge things in looking at how do these two things compare? Like how does the cost to society compare between alcohol and cannabis? People obviously very uh, accepting of alcohol, skeptical of cannabis, and yet they have very liberal regulation around alcohol compared to what we're allowed to do. Um, so, you know, I think that in the long run, all of that stuff will shake itself out. But as a business, it just becomes extremely challenging to start, you know, navigating all of this regulation that is pretty excessive and it's clearly just written out of fear. Yeah, uh, Washington is also very strict as far as the marketing and advertising part of it goes. Um, that's what I do for my day job as I do the marketing for a retail store. And um, there's very few things, the very few words that we are allowed to use in relationship to our advertising. We have to have our compliance language on every single advertisement, which makes text message marketing really, really difficult, which used to be one of our best ways to reach our customers, but now that you have to have like a 400 character compliance message on every single text message that goes out, it's like, well, that makes, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't really work for yeah. that. And then, well, and I think too, there's things that are not, that's not business friendly, like that, right. that makes an expensive industry even more expensive and it stifles and chokes growth. I mean, I don't know what the black market situation is like for you guys in Washington, but in California, they made the regulations so challenging and it's so expensive to operate, especially because of the high taxes, that everybody just fled back to the back black market. And so it's been a very weird situation to see that all sort of unfold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in Washington, we've done a decent job of squashing the black market a little bit. 
but you still hear stories all the time of people who can't sell, like farms who can't sell their product in Washington, diverting it across state lines. And, you know, even stuff from our stores, like the label has shown up in like Michigan from people who, you know, buy stuff legally from our stores and then sell it across state, yeah. across the country. And it's like, you know, that's, we sold it legally in our, you know, in, in our sphere, we can't, you can't dictate where it goes after you sell exactly your product legally. Exactly, but it just it, it's very convoluted and confusing and difficult, especially I think because each state has their own regulations. We can't come together on federal. We can't agree on you know any kind of federal regulations yet. Um, that just makes it a lot more difficult to kind of keep the the black market down and help the white market succeed. So yeah, it's very interesting. Um, awesome. Well, should we move into some quick fire, fire questions? Yeah. Really quick? <laughs> quick, 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 okay. Quickly, quick fire. Awesome. So these are just a few questions to go through as we wrap up. So just the first thing that comes to your mind. Joint or bong? Joint or bong? Joint or bong? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Joint or bong? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> bong. I just got two new bongs. Ooh. So I'm really bad. show notes yeah awesome do you have a favorite strain um, not really good answer <laughs> I know it's kind of like yeah. choosing your favorite child I know well I think I always like to try new things like totally. I get really excited about the uniqueness of of all the different strains and like you know I, I think every time I go into my shop I'm like okay what do we have today what's new like what's yeah. good you know and I really trust our butt tenders because they're uh, so what's your favorite strain recently that you've tried? I'm a big fan of Henry's Original, which is a brand here. Um, and they have a Spyrock OG that I really like. Mm. And it's grown on Spyrock Mountain. Like, their whole brand story and everything is amazing. They've been cultivating in, in uh, Mendocino for decades. And um, really awesome, just good people that run that company. I know their product is so clean. They've been doing clean green certified since before it was a requirement. Um, so they really are kind of a go-to for me um, for that reason. And I love the Rock because it just has such a cool story and their farm up there is amazing. And um, I, I kind of like brand stories surrounding it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a marketing person, so I get like covered for branding. Oh, totally. <laughs> for sure. I feel yeah. Yeah, you're talking to the right yeah. people. Yeah, we're suckers for branding too. Yep. <laughs> Speaking of which, Bloom has an awesome Instagram. I love your guys's uh, social media presence. It's very Thank like you. it's very elevated and welcoming and not scary. You know, yeah. it's it's not just pointed towards the stoner crowd. It's it's welcoming. Yeah. So thank you. Well, that's, and that's definitely was the goal. Like I, from having been in the industry for ten years. Like, there was nothing geared towards women back yeah, then, right. so we've really tried to, like, make this female-friendly as possible. Yay. Love that. Um, all right. Where did you smoke for your first time? You know what's really embarrassing? I don't remember the first time. <laughs> Must have been a good first time. Yeah. Everyone, yeah, everyone has, like, this amazing story, and I don't remember. I just 
<laughs> nice. Where did you go to college? University of Nebraska Lincoln. Hey. Nice. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, big risk trying to smoke weed in Nebraska. I was yeah. going to say, bossy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we've talked about this next question a little bit already, but um, maybe you can expand a little bit more. Do you CBD? Yes, I do, daily. Nice. And what's your, um, what's your favorite way to CBD? So I have, like I mentioned, I love the Kiva chocolate-covered CBD almonds. Pontificating podcast. Yeah, I would love that. Oh, awesome. Um, what is your favorite thing about what you do? I think that it's radical and revolutionary. I think that it is unique to have the opportunity to be at this point in time, and no one else is going to get that. Think about like my kids are not going to be on the cusp of legalization for cannabis as a brand new thing to many people. Um, so that, I think, in and of itself, no matter what industry you were a part of, it would be like if you got to be a part of the tech revolution and before Facebook was a thing, you know, I feel like that's where we're at. And it's so cool to be making history on this ground floor level and knowing that every time, every day you put one foot in front of the other, you're, you're making social change and progress. We're like absolute pioneers. And I love that, and I think that that's what makes all of the challenges and headwinds so worth it. You know, I think so many people would be like, well, you can't get a bank account, you can't, like, all this stuff is really frustrating, it's annoying. Like, I find it is worth it because we're doing something so unique, and it's an opportunity. That is such a good reminder, because it's it's true. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I love that answer. All right, and last but not least, where can we find you? Online, on the interwebs. Yeah, what, yeah. What so our Instagram for Bloom, as we know, is at Let's Bloom. My personal Instagram is at Amy underscore Okedisano. As we have all discussed, yeah. my last name is a bit of a doozy, so we're getting a good tag for your audience. Yes, um, And then our website is www.letsbloom.com. And Bloom is B-L-U-M. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for taking an hour out of your day to talk with us. We were really excited to be able to chat with you and um, ecstatic that we are finally able to make it happen. Yeah, and learn about a whole other recreational area and different states. Yeah, this was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. And please call me anytime you want to pontificate. Yes. <laughs> we will take you up on that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you so much, Amy. You have a thank great you. day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was Amy. Wasn't that such a fun conversation? Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. So relatable. She's 
I don't know. She's comes. I feel like she comes from a different side of cannabis than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Since we're in Washington, it feels like everybody's like still small business, mom and pop. Mm-hmm. But they're like they're thinking big, big, yeah, business, yeah, and that is so cool. But still so relatable because mm-hmm. she just like eats edibles all day and likes yeah. to drink mocktails. <laughs> exactly, you know. And she's she's yeah, she's just great. Yeah. So, Amy, thank you so much again for being on the show. We love talking to you. We will call you back for a pontificating podcast. Bonus episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we didn't talk about? What? Uh, that the that congressional committee passed the Moore Act. Let's talk about it in our outro. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um I don't know if anybody else has been following this, but just kind of like out of the blue, this new act was was introduced into this committee called the Moore Act, and I I guess I can Google what Moore stands for, but it's um, the only cannabis decriminalization act that we've seen that includes criminal reform for wow. people who have been um, affected, who have gone to jail for cannabis crimes that, you know shouldn't have been there wow so yeah not so it's it decriminalizes it deschedules marijuana as a class as a schedule one substance wow. yeah and then it um has has a criminal reform in it as well that's like so that's that's amazing yeah i honestly never thought that we, that would ever happen the marijuana opportunity reinvestment and expungement act of 2019 or the more act so now it has to go to the full House of Representatives to be hopefully approved, and then it'll move to the Senate, which is apparently where bills die, where bills go to die. So we'll see how it goes, but... Well, we got this far. Yeah, really encouraging that yeah. it, it was a it was a vote 24 to 10, so it was like quite a decent yeah. majority yeah. Um, approved it. Wow. I wonder so. where, ne- where Nebraska says was. <laughs> That's... I don't know Dang. if they're in that the committee was very, meeting, That was a very surprising to hear that. I don't know why it was so surprising to hear that Nebraska was so conservative on cannabis. You know, it didn't surprise me that much. But, I mean, I guess there is really nothing in Nebraska other than Omaha. But you would also, like, think that maybe they would embrace not having a lot going and on And wasn't there, I mean, what kind of farmland is there? Corn. Corn? Corn has Corn and wheat worked similar no you know what? i mean maybe but... i don't know i was reading another article the other day that was saying that all of these hemp farmers that have popped up around in the south mm-hmm. they are having problems with agricultural pests moving into the hemp plants mm-hmm. and there's this one specifically called i think it was the corn earworm or something mm-hmm. that has moved from on farms where they used to grow corn they started springing up on the hemp plants so then the farmers have had to hire people to like physically go and remove every like walk the fields and remove every worm from every plant. Like the this whole hemp thing is be kind of going kind of crazy. Oh my god. Just gosh. because there's a lot of there's been a lot of unforeseen consequences with people just investing a ton of money into it. They're like, "Okay, here the hemp craze is here. It's booming." Planting, oh, sh- you know, their whole field mm. with hemp and then cross-pollination issues are happening, so you're getting hermaphrodited CBD flower. Like, you're, it's kind of a, a crazy mess. And then, yeah, like, the, the pests and some of the diseases are transferring from agricultural products to hemp. Like, so it's very interesting. 
Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Craziness. That admit that really that kind of tr- worries me about like federally legalizing <clears throat> weed now. Yeah, like, just, I mean, like there's still going to be, especially with actual like THC cannabis. Uh-huh. There's going to be a lot more regulation than they've put forward with hemp. And someone was even telling me that they're thinking about putting um, hemp under, like, within the regulated structure of recreational cannabis, mm. just so that there can be more right. um, regulations. regulations. So, you know, they can just be tracked better. Yeah. So that some of this sense. stuff isn't happening, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Wow. So. There's your little injection of news. Dude, yeah, seriously. But wow. yeah, the more act is really exciting. That is very exciting. So many cannabis things happening. I know. In 2019. I know. Here That's we go. That's so cool. Come on 2020. Let's Pretty see what we got. Seriously. We're in 20s. Prohibition in, prohibition out. Oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> Actually, I think prohibition started in the 30s for cannabis. I can't remember. Oh, could, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it happened in the 30s. I think so. But Prohibition ended for alcohol. Yeah, in the 20s. In the 20s. Yeah. Crazy. All over the place. Wow. Well, there you go, you guys. <laughs> uh, if you like what you hear, <laughs> rate, review, subscribe <laughs> on all uh, cannabis platforms, <laughs> on all podcasting platforms. Yep, we're here for you. Yeah, uh, follow us on Instagram to see what we got going on. We're at chronicals420. Email us at chronicals at gmail.com. And we'll see you guys next week. So here we go. You guys have a great night, great day, whatever time you're listening this to this at. <laughs> uh, We're going to smoke some more. I'm going to smoke some more. Spark up. Weird science. Weird science. Yeah, this was nice. Full For, for a full circle moment, sorry <laughs> for keeping you guys on the line, but this weird science was great. Yeah. I feel like it engaged my mind. It made me funny. <laughs> I don't know. You guys tell me. Yeah. But I'm having a great time. Awesome. I'm having yeah. a great time with you. Weird science. Abstract. Two Check thumbs it out. up. Two pocketed thumbs <laughs> up. All right. We're going to go now. Bye. Bye, guys. Bong rips and pizza chips. 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 Bong rips and pizza chips.